Charlie. Mark, one Charlie. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm full of optimism. Einstein's theory of relativity. We're still seeing it quite well through that haze. T-minus 37 seconds. Fight with growing equals MC. That all men are created equal. About the future innovation. And growing strength in the air. This is Finding Your Frequency with your host, Jeff Spinard and Ryan Treasure. It's time to speak up, share your voice, and hear from the thought leaders. Welcome to Finding Your Frequency. I'm your host, Jeff Spinard. I'm your co-host, Ryan Treasure. And we have a very interesting guest with us today. Uh, this gentleman is the most physically and psychically prepared CEO around, according to Inc. Magazine. Dr. Bombi Joseph is a director at the Peak Health Center and advisor to Immune AG LLP in phytopharmacy. He is a leading speaker and has given numerous presentations at American Medical Association, Singapore's National Health Services, and Indian Medical Association conferences. He has pioneered the patented health index a very discriminating method to measure human health and has published more than 42 papers and patents. He is a pioneer in the application of pharmaceutical science for the phytotherapy and traditional complementary integrative medicine. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome, Dr. Bomi Joseph. Dr. Joseph, welcome to the show. Hi, guys. Thank you. You are quite welcome. That was quite the introduction there. Get a little tied up, but... Uh, <laughs> I was impressed. I didn't recognize <laughs> So, anyway, you know, finding your frequency, uh, it's all about the journey, you know, how you got to where you are, who you are today. Uh, but this, what's, what I'm interested right now in is the Inc. Magazine, the most physically and psychically prepared CEO around. What does that mean? Uh, boy, <laughs> I think about, I, I can't, around 20, 25 years ago, they, a reporter, he, he, a very senior reporter from Inc. Magazine, um, he saw me fight in the tournament. His nephew got, got walloped by me in New York back in 1984, <laughs> 85. And, and, uh, and he saw me then get out in a suit, et cetera. And he was like, you know, what's a guy who's professional like you doing this crazy stuff? And I told him, I said, form follows function, right? Our body, our body follows what we do. And I go, I want to do something kind of intense to keep myself that way. And I never stopped. I still do it. So years later, he came back and said, you know, I want to, I want to, I want to follow you around and write a story. I want to write a story about you. And I go, how are you planning to do that? He says, I'm going to, I'm going to follow you around and, and just sort of log what you do throughout the day, right? And, and my ex-wife kind of looked at me, and he came home, and we were having dinner. And she asked him, what time do you wake up? And he goes, like, 10, maybe 10.30 in the morning, right? He's a writer. Um, so she looked at me, and she said, does he know what he's getting into? And I was like, I don't know what to say. So he said, what do you mean by that? She says he wakes up at 4.45 every day. Yeah. And you should have seen the look on the guy's face. Right? Yeah, yeah. That would have been much like my look. Yeah. So he, <laughs> he, he had to wake up at 4.45 to keep up. He's lugging all this camera stuff around. And I'm out there, you know, running, jogging, you know, doing whatever I'm doing. 
at two in the afternoon, we can't find him. I'm in the office. We just can't find the guy. And he's in the back room snoring away to glory. He was just totally <laughs> tired, pooped out. Right. Yeah. And so three or four hours, we let him sleep. And then when I read the article, he was... Um, he, he went around and talked to people about what he missed while he was asleep, right? And so he felt it. He just he sort of like, and I was laughing. I said, how would he know? He was asleep. Right, right. Between one to five. So, <laughs> so he, when, when he was following me around, he realized that I actually sat and planned the day, the day before. On Sunday, I planned the week. I actually planned what I'm going to do, where I'm going to you know, and the thing, and that's my way of actually preventing distractions and noise. You know, you just focus on the few big things you got to do. Right. Others, you're just going to get relegated. So that, that's how it came about. He saw me physically very prepared and, and organized. And he also saw me very mentally and, and time-wise well-prepared also. Right. So right. That, was, that was his theme. So this was 25 years ago. Yeah, and if you talk to people who know me, nothing's changed. I, yep, I right. just literally the same. It's, I, it's just, just routine, right? And, and, and somehow I figured out a routine when I was young that worked, and I never stopped. Yeah, I heard you developed this when you were like 14 years old. Yeah, when I was 14 years old, my mother used to complain because I used to get up, clank, clank, bang, bang, you know, <laughs> at, at 4.45, 5, and, and get out and go for my run. And she would just say, you're a nuisance, you're a headache, why do you wake up this early? And then at 30, when I went home, you know, she was amazed. She says, the guy does the same thing. Um, and now I'm 60, you know, I'm same thing. I mean, you know exactly where I am, what time of the day, based on, you know, my habits. Just Right. And it's healthy, just healthy habits. So I see in here where you have... Um uh, that that alone time you being in motion is kind of like your, your meditation and peaceful time. Uh, are, and, you, and you're still doing that. I, I hear how, how far are you running uh, when you do your morning routine? What, what kind of uh, distance are you looking at? You know, I see, that's the interesting thing. What I found is that when I ran for long distances, I started stiffening up my, my mid, my sort of lower back, et cetera, would stiffen because you know, you it's low, low grade thump, thump, thump by your feet. So, and then I would stretch people out and I like to be limber and I, you know, I do a knockdown form of martial arts. So I got to be like kicking high and, and being limber. So it, it's just out of sort of this practice. I don't run more than three miles now. And, okay. and I, I, you know, I, 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 I go up the mountains, I sprint mountains, I run about three miles flat, but I spend a long time stretching and moving. So for me, that, that mobility, most people will tell you, the, the, most, the, the medical community will tell you that your sacral bones, the five fused bones, are fused and they're stiff, um, kind of so, but I beg to defer because you, you can really make it move and stretch and be limber, and it's extremely important. Sure. That gets so, a lot of oxygen flow to the muscles and everything, right? Yeah, so that I've done a lot of work. I've got charts and plots that how much blood flows through your organs, right, when you're not eating and when you're, when you're sitting still. And then when you get up and start running and moving, how much of the blood flows to your skeleton muscles and how much more oxygen it gets and what happens when you fill your stomach and try to do it. Now you have the competition between the blood, for the blood between your stomach and your skeleton muscles, et cetera. So we've got deep into that kind of science. So, so that's, that's the kind of stuff we geek out on our, and, we're, and we're good. And I think just because we have numbers, we understand it pretty well. Right, right. So yeah, obviously you've been in this field for many years now. Uh, what was the path to get there? When, when did this, it hit you that, okay, 
I want to be a doctor and here's my specialty. Oh, I don't, I don't, there was no formal plan. I just did it when I was young. So a lot of my friends used to smoke, right? I was, I was, my, a lot of my, my, I was surrounded by people who smoke. Right. And my gut just told me that that isn't healthy, right? I was just, I was just athletic. I, I like to run. I was a sprinter and tennis player, et cetera, when I was young. And so just logic told me if I put in smoke and all the soot and, you know, nicotine in my lungs, I saw it as tar in my visually, I, I'm visual in my head. Right. I saw, you know, this, this, this vaporous tar being smoked in. And then when it condenses in the lungs, just like this black tar on the road, you form this thing. And I wasn't, I wasn't far from being you were just correct. spot on, right? Yeah, I was spot on. So I, I kind of avoided that. Uh, I just started avoiding certain things and, you know, I, 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 my friends forced me to drink a glass of beer or I, that was the biggest wish my friends had is that I drink some beer for my 18th birthday. <laughs> and honestly, you know, I, they asked me, I just, I was like, yuck, I expected it to taste good, but for me, it tasted like fermented piss, right? It, yeah, just, right. it was just like, crap, you guys love this shit. <laughs> um, and, and, and so, you know, it's just, I kind of listened to my body. If it didn't taste good, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't you know, eat it. And my body must be messed up. Cause I like beer. <laughs> yeah. No, it's an acquired taste. Right. And it's also social. So that was the other thing. I, I was always a guy who never went with social pressure. I would hang around with friends. Look, I went to bars all the time because that's where all my friends were. If I wanted to see my friends, I had to be in a bar. Um, hence, but all, I, hence all the smoking around you. <laughs> yes. And, and, but I had guys following me around in bicycles smoking because they wanted to see what the hell I was up to. Right. right. Um, so kids are kids. We did a whole bunch of mischievous stuff, but I always kind of just stuck to things that seemed correct and waking up and training in the morning just was the right time to do it. Because if I didn't do it, then I never got it done. Right. I missed it. I figured out that get up and finish it because otherwise life catches up and you never do it. And then slowly over the years, I started realizing that, hey, I can hear the birds and it's pretty relaxing and no one around and it's very peaceful. And then like at 7, 7.45, I can hear, you know, doors clanging and people coming in and voices that slowly it became getting busy, right? Yeah, it started getting busy, et cetera. And it was just, a, it was just, you know, I'm, I'm telling you, I went through, I was in my 30s and 40s and I'd read stuff on all, all over the magazines and I'd say, oh, this is incorrect. That's incorrect. This doesn't make sense. This is not the way it is. But I always assumed somebody else would figure it out, right? Somebody is going to correct it. Somebody's going to do this. Somebody's going to do that. And I never really paid attention. And I think it's only after I had kids and my daughters were like 15, 16, 17 years old, I started saying, you know what? I, you know, I've got to start writing about this or I got to start talking about this. I got to do something to correct a lot of mistakes, right? Sure. I mean, you know, I fought this whole concept that a glass of red wine is good for you because, I mean, there's nothing, you know, alcohol is extremely miscible with water. And the problem is, is simply got to do with the fact that alcohol will drop salts out from your plasma. It will affect the way your hormones flow. I mean, I looked at just basic science and said, there's nothing about this that's good. The only thing that's good about alcohol is going on a Friday afternoon, you know, hanging on. It's more social, right? It's more Sure, sure. But physically, alcohol is not good. And, and I, kept re I kept seeing the stuff saying a glass, moderate drinking is good, moderate drinking is good. And I was like, who the hell is saying <laughs> this, right? Yeah, yeah. 
And now recently we start finding out that the, the, the alcohol industry had funded, you know, what the FDA and of course, right. hundreds of millions of dollars and, you know, God, what a, like, what a brilliant campaign. <laughs> yeah. Course, and it's for the government to tell everybody that uh, alcohol is good for you. We'll sell more alcohol. Yeah. One a day at, uh, you know, right. it, sounds, right. sounds like, right. sounds like the aspirin thing to me. <laughs> yeah, you obviously, obviously binge drinking is bad. Everybody recognizes it, you know, and not drinking is not good for business. And so just, just start this campaign saying moderation, moderation, moderation. Now, I, now, now coming back to numbers, I actually went and figured out what, see numbers, I'm a numbers guy. Moderation actually by numbers is seven, for a guy who's five foot nine, an average male, it's five, it's seven milliliter, seven milligrams of alcohol or seven grams, sorry, seven grams of alcohol an hour. That's what your blood can clear out through enzymes. That's about a third of a glass of wine. I don't know anybody who sips a glass of wine over three hours. Right, right. right. So this is where I have problems with the word moderation because it leads to a lot of like, okay, a glass of wine, two glasses of wine. is Three hours is about three bottles, by the way. Right, three bottles, exactly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Four years. A six pack, why not? That's moderation. Yeah, right? there you go. So, but if you look at it as far as science and numbers, it's, it's a third of a glass of wine an hour. If you can hang with that, that's moderate drinking. So, so those are the kinds of things that slowly, you know, we're stepping up and saying, guys, I mean, if you want to drink a glass of wine, drink it guilt-free. I'm not saying don't sure, drink alcohol, sure. but just don't kid yourself that red wine is good for you. White oh, right. That's the, whole, that's the whole key there. It's not good for you. Yeah, and I really like your philosophy of saying, you know, not necessarily healthy for your body, but, um, you know, there's definitely a psychological effect with that social component of, uh, you know, having a drink on a Friday night with your friends or coworkers and, you know, I, using that time, uh, uh, not necessarily for the drinking portion, but just to relax from the week, you know, people get super yeah. busy and, you know, I know that, uh, you know, Jeff and I used to do that every once in a while, we'd go out on a Friday night after work and have a couple of beers and, um, yeah, and it was definitely more oh. psychological. There was no moderation, by the way. <laughs> not, no, not back then. <laughs> it wasn't to moderate anything. It wasn't a health issue. It was because I'm going to go get a buzz. So, <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's exactly my point. Like, look, if I if I once I I don't you know I I I I'm healthy, but once in a while, if I open a pint of ice cream, it's gone. <laughs> I can't take a spoon, right? I mean, right. I, open, I either don't touch it or if I open that, it's, it's gone. But I have no guilt. I'm like, all right, that, that felt good because, because your body ignores exceptions. Once in a while, if you do something, it's, it's, it's not a big deal. But my only thing is don't kid yourself, right? Don't bank on false information. True. If you want to go and drink some wine or alcohol, absolutely, go do it socially. But if you're aware of the fact that it's not good for you, you're going to automatically limit yourself to a glass or two. Sure. Socially. But if you think it's good for you, then, then you will tend to overdo it. Sure. sure. So my, my main point simply is that misinformation is bad. I don't like manipulation. And a lot of times corporations, industries, they, they just manipulate you, right? You set up a, set up a Wikipedia page, do some, you know, self-serving publications and, and then point to that and say, look, you know, this is good for you. And it's all manipulation of the mind. The Russians did it to us, right? That's we're living through this whole thing. Look, they used our social media against us, and they got mm -hmm. us fighting against each other. Yep. 
Yep. And, and, and companies have been doing that for profits all the time. They still do. Of course they do. That's how, that's how Rome fell. You know? That's how Rome fell, yes. Rome, Rome fell because of internal strife, not <laughs> because they overextended their campaign militarily or anything like that. It was you know, all from within their, own, uh, within their own community. Yeah, they got fat and lazy. <laughs> no, seriously. Bottom I mean, line, they right. Were, yeah, they were, when they were tooling their weapons and focused outwards and, and you know, camping, they were 550 years, they were a colossal power, right? When, and then when the, when, when the generals and, you know, all the senators, et cetera, started getting fat and lazy and bats and, you know, parties. and They thought well, wine, was, they thought wine well, was good for them. When there's no more war, then it's just hang around, drink, and have a good time. Yeah, they got sloppy, right? Right. And then right. they slowly started pulling back. And then, the, you know, then, then the natives started, like, attacking. And like little gnats, they started nipping here and there. And exactly. Then, and then the generals, you know, the, the, you know oh, I'm tired of being here. Let's pull back. Let's pull back. And next thing you know, you're back in your boundaries, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Sounds yep. familiar. Yep. <laughs> so, doctor, tell, tell me a little bit about the – you pioneered in uh, patented the health index. Um, how long ago was that? Oh, I, I, you know, I worked on that for about 26 years and we just start, patented it about a year and a half, two years ago. Yeah, okay. <clears throat> and I'm, I mean, you must put a lot of time in, in research into that. Well, actually, yeah. I, actually, you know, your body, uh, the way, and I'll explain this fairly simply. <clears throat> if you have a small, if you have a very small scooter, right, that has about a liter of, it's a small engine. So it has a very small gas tank. And if you have a V12 monster truck, it, it, it has to have a massive gas tank, right? And, and that weight, so a small engine will carry a little bit of fuel, but it'll go 300 miles. And if you have a massive engine, for it to go 300 miles, you have to have a lot of fuel. Well, that fuel is heavy and it weighs you down. Our body is an amazing machine. I mean, I, I, that's the, you know, I marvel at our body every time. All of us have about 250 grams of fuel. That's it. Okay. And it's called, it, it, there are a couple of fuel sources, but I'm picking one. It's called ATP, A-T as in Tom P. And we have 250 milligrams. It gets converted into waste and releases energy and fuel. And it's called ADP, D as in dog. So, then our body has this amazing power to flip it back from waste to fuel. Our ashes become gasoline again. Uh-huh. Then our gasoline becomes ash, then ash to gasoline again. So, the, so for somebody who has a lot of stuff going on inside them, right? If you are, let's take Michael Jordan as his peak. When he was sitting still or relaxed, his heart rate was probably 42, 45 beats. But his machine inside was this monster machine, but it was in a state of calm. When he went and dunked and did all that stuff, he was able to generate a lot of output. There was a lot of stuff happening inside his body, but still he was doing it effortlessly, right? Because it was this massive massive engine at work. Sure. He had to have a massive fuel tank. And what was happening within his body was his gasoline to ash to gasoline, that ratio, that flip was happening 800 times a day. For right. somebody who is very unhealthy, for people who are really unhealthy, there is, there is malaise. There's this, there's this lackadaisical thing going on within the body. We can't see it. We think we're real healthy. 
But the flip between a gasoline to the, to the waste material happens very few times, right? It only about maybe 60, 80 times a day. If you multiply it, if you take 250 grams and multiply it by 800 versus, you know, 80, that's, you know, a difference between, um, like about like 400 kilograms to say 80 kilograms, right? I'm, I'm just winging it, but it's a massive, it's a massive difference in, in scale. So we essentially have a large fuel tank and it's that flip that happens multiple times and a small fuel tank, the flip that happens very few times. So that's essentially the health index. We're measuring the number of times it flips. Now, normally I'd have to send you into a lab and do a blood test and see how much ATP, ADP you have and right. you know, all that kind of stuff. It's a pain in the butt, but... <laughs> We figured out a way to measure tissue and certain things in your body, right, that, that has a very strong correlation to that. And that's where we are today. That's the health index. Gotcha. Excellent. Okay. So you being a martial artist, uh, you must have a pretty good uh, flow going on in your own body, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What, 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 would, what would your ADP be? So I'm, my health index is at 88, right? The highest is 100, right? The utopia is 100. Oh, okay. And, and my ratio of flip, uh, ATP, ADP ratio of flip is, um, I, think, I think normal is about 60, high is 200, and I'm at about 160. Excellent. So- as, as people are kind of like looking at that health index and, you know, um, wanting to become more healthier on the index. Um, I mean, obviously you got to exercise and eat right and all that, but you know, what are, what are some ways that somebody who's looking to, you know, increase their health index score? What are some simple things that they can do to, to get their body on the right path? You know, the, the, I'll start with this. If you don't know how much money you have in your bank account, you're going to bounce a check. All right. If you don't know your credit score, it's most likely lousy. Right. So, so it starts off with most people have no clue what the health index is. They have no clue how healthy they are. And, and almost everybody we measure, you know, before we measure them, we show them a chart and say, where do you think you are? And, maybe in 4,000, one person says they're lower than where they measure. Almost everybody says they're higher than what they get measured at, right? So the psychological thing of us measuring and giving you your number is an eye-opener because immediately once you have a number and it correlates to your risk of disease, et cetera, people immediately go, I want to improve that number. And you see where I'm coming from? Psychologically, just, just the act of measuring puts you in a state of mind or state of being wanting to improve that number, which you never did before, right? Sure. Then what we do is we give you an analysis on what is actually causing, most likely what is causing. We actually analyze you and tell you, look, this is where you should be ideally. This is where you are. And this is what's actually happening. And then we kind of like, for example, I never show, I never tell somebody who's completely, you know, out of shape to go around. This is a huge mistake, right? Somebody is, somebody is out of shape. They're, 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 they're obese or quasi obese. Then they suddenly say, I'm going to do a triathlon, right? I've been working all my life and, and I wouldn't, you know, I'm running three miles. I wouldn't say I'm going to go run a marathon. Can I run a marathon? Of course I can. But 
But it's all in the training, right? You want to build your tissue up. You want to get stronger. So what we tend to do is say, okay, here's where you are. Here's where you want to be. Go slow. Go take, it's a question of a mindset. You want to just start off, aim yourself in the direction of health. And a lot of times we will actually figure out what you're eating, right? It's not the amount that you eat a lot of times. It is what you eat. It, it's, it's these endocrine disruptors that you're taking in without realizing it. That's causing your liver to just produce fat. So simple things like telling you, look, cut these things out and you will automatically trim down, right? If, if, if for example, if you start cooking at home, I know it's a pain for most people, but, you know, go bum food from your friend's house, right? Have her, you know, <laughs> do whatever it takes, but don't eat in restaurants and you'll see that, you know, you, you can eat more and you start trimming down. I haven't solved that I haven't figured that out yet, but, but we have this blended thing where we don't want you to struggle. We don't, we don't think it's about hard exercising. We don't think it's about, you know, you know, fads, diets. We just give information. And when you start seeing your numbers starting to improve, it's very motivational, right? Sure. Then people start, you know, then we show drills, we show you how to strengthen up your ankles, how to get it more flexible. And then guess what? Running becomes easier, right? We that's want right. to- that's, be- why, that's exactly why I do Tai Chi, is uh, for that flexibility and, and, and kind of keeping my, my, you know, my joints and stuff in shape. So okay. you know, I don't so run, perfect. that's all I do. I just do Tai Chi. Right, so perfect. So because you do Tai Chi, you're going to see that your your you know lower back doesn't hurt that much, right? You don't, but you will get stiff. I mean, you know, we all do get stiff, but you'll find that all you have to do is bend over and do your stretch, and your body is automatically that much more flexible, right? And feels good. You go crack, 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 etc. Now. If you do go run, right, if you're doing Tai Chi, you're doing downward dogs and yoga, you have that flexibility, et cetera, you go do, you, and if you go run, you'll find that you are gliding along a lot more smoothly, where your run is more effortless, right? If you go and try to go dancing, you'll find that your dance movements are, are, are more fun. And that's exactly how it should be. It's, it, I work out and I do stuff because it's enjoyable, not because I have to. Right. right. If you're having to do something and it's painful and it's not motivating you, then there's something wrong. That's absolutely, absolutely key. Uh, and doctor, it seems, you know, your martial arts background and the discipline you have is just, you know, almost the pieces to the puzzle as to the way we should be living. I find it amazing. So, so when, when you see, it's not just me. I mean, you should see the senses. The guy, the guy who's my master is 76 years old. His name is uh, Yasuhiko Oyama. We call him Saikoshi, and he lives in Alabama. He fell in love with the, with a, with a Alabama woman and just stayed um, there. He's 76 years old and you should see him move. He, I mean, he's one of my heroes. I want to be him when I'm 76. Right. And, and uh, you know, I mean, he'll take a nunchaka and knock a, 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 you know, a quarter of a banana from your, from your thing and from your mouth, right? I mean, wow. he's just got amazing uh, uh, dexterity and power and speed. And, 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 you know, and he can smash stuff, et cetera. But what it is is that we, 
we consistently train and our body gets used to something and then we keep training and then and we, we can do a little bit more and a little bit more. We, we become what we are in very small increments. It's that consistency of what we do. It's that little, you know, incremental consistency that actually, you know, makes us what we are. Hang on a second. I'm going to close my door. So, so when people actually see, like when you see Usain Bolt doing his sprint in the Olympics, etc., you know, that's, that's the culmination of, of incredible training. So you can't go try to achieve that end thing in one shot, okay? You got to have somebody that gives you a realistic goal, right? It reminds me of, of, of these Photoshop pictures of actresses, et cetera, that women see and say, I want to be like that. That's not real, right? So it's better to have realistic goals, and it, it holds true even in training and in exercise. It's, it's focus on what you want to do just today, come back tomorrow, come back the day after, right? Just do these few things again and again and again and again and again. It, it's same thing, your body mobility in Tai Chi will get better and better. You can, you can move better, your motions get better. It's, it's, it sounds boring, right? But it's in the consistent pattern of what you do. It's putting that effort in. The hardest thing is to actually get in your car and head towards where you want to go. The hardest thing is, the most difficult thing is to actually get going. Because once you get sure. there and start doing it, it's easy. Right. Yeah, no, that's, it's, that's it's 100%. It's like taking a shower in the morning. It, the, the, the hardest part is to get going. <laughs> exactly. And once you're in there and the water is all around you, it feels yep. so good. Yeah, everything's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, I, gotta, I get up at five in the morning myself. And that, that's the hardest thing I find, you know, and, I, and I'm a morning person and, and you know, that, that is definitely the most difficult thing is just getting the motor going in the morning. And uh, I got to give big kudos to my dog because uh, I can <laughs> yeah. take the dog out every morning when I get up at five. And so, uh, you know, the yeah. dog helps me to kickstart myself because yeah, she, yeah. You get those big licks, she's right? ready to go every morning. Five, she's ready to go for a walk and do her thing. Like I don't, she, her motor's always going her, she, her health index is probably a hundred. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I have to, even on, even if I want to sleep in, I, my motor, I, I just, it's so much my norm. I'm wide awake by five, four forty-five, five. I have to get up, wander around. And if I want to go back to sleep, I, you know, I got to like do something, then go back and right. lie down. You know, it's just become such a big part of what I do. So Dr. Joseph, you know, as uh, part of the intro, you know, I was saying that you've got a significant background in phytotherapy and you've developed a variety of world-class uh, phytoceutical products. What, what, is, what are phytoceutical products? Good question. Um, so, you know, we kind of have this cultural barrier in, this, in many things in this country, but remember the, the, the whole industrial revolution started in the early 1900s, like 1920, 1930. And this is about the time we were discovering, you know, infectious diseases and penicillin and drugs. And this was the birth of the FDA. So the whole pharmaceutical industry, the FDA, our medical industry, the culture was all defined around this whole infectious diseases, drugs, you know, um, and also manufacturing, right? I mean, this was about the industrial age and factories, et cetera. So, 
Sure. This is when, you know, policies and rules and regulations and stuff like that came about in, in the United States. However, when you go and look at ancient cultures like Chinese culture, Indian culture, that's, you know, I, that's about 50% of the world's population right there. Yep. They have had, you know, this, this historical presence for 5,000 years or so. And almost most ethnic and, and, and native cultures have plants as part of their healing. Plants as part of their food, food as part of medicine, yep. food as part of healing, right? And I, of course, come from a culture where my uncle had the, had the oldest running uh, Ayurvedic pharmacy in India. It was called Johnson & Johnson. It was started in 1832. So huh. as a seven-year-old kid, I'm watching these huge lines form around outside his clinic. And, you know, if he ran out of products, people got very upset, etc. And And so I, I, I sort of knew that these plant products he was making had, there were a lot of people who found it beneficial. Sure. So my mind was kind of more open to it. But as I went through, you know, 20, 30 years of, of, of you know, I, you know, when I was doing my PhD itself, I was like looking at stuff and saying, hey, there are things that pharmaceutical drugs absolutely fall flat on. It doesn't work. So I define pharmaceutical, you know, synthetic pharmaceutical drugs as silver bullets. Lone Ranger running around in his horse sure. going bam, 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 shooting his silver <laughs> bullets, right? So, you know, there are bad guys that the silver bullet will absolutely go and nail. Great. Mm-hmm. Right? There are diseases and stuff that silver bullets work on. But I was starting to realize, and this is where I'm bringing science into it. Traditional cultures can't, cannot explain things. They just say it's good for you. So what we have figured out is our body has this massive system. I call it the endophytosystem. Now, most of you will recognize this because the first time people started seeing this was when they started studying THC. And they started saying, why the hell does you know, cannabis get you high? And they started right. figuring out that this THC molecule affects the CB1 receptor, right? And they started calling this the endocannabinoid system. So, you know, it's an unfortunate choice of words because when people hear cannabis or cannabinoid, they say, ah, it's, just, you know, a stoner getting high. And then most, most scientists don't want to study it because it's just got this, you know, this, this taint of, of cannabis. However, that CB1 receptor is only one of more than a thousand similar receptors. And um, there are, you know, you know, endocannabinoids in our body that our body makes, AEA, 2AG, etc. However, I'm going to just name a bunch of, you know, off the top of my head, the turmeric plant, you know, the willow bark plant, the pine bark, uh, the chili plant, um, pepper, cat's claw, green tea, rosemary, and I can start naming, you know, sure. the molecules and compounds. These plants actually have molecules that significantly interact with all these receptors within us. And notice what I did. I mentioned plants that are not cannabis. None of these plants are right. have anything to do with cannabis. I was going to say, I didn't hear anything uh, in there. Yes, but they're all part of the system. And that's why I don't call it the endocannabinoid system. I call it the endophytosystem. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, where am I going with this? 
almost all degenerative diseases within us. Remember what we started talking about? We were talking about obesity. Yes. Obesity, diabetes, obesity, uh, insulin resistance, um, you know, even things like all Alzheimer's or, you know, most of these DJ, all these degenerative diseases that we're seeing within our body, uh, I'm starting to associate more and more of these things with dysfunction of the endophyto system. This is not one small thing going bonkers. This is, you know, a tiny little thing here, you know, being overactive or underactive and affects this biochemical pathway, which affects that, et cetera. And so what happens is when, you know, and my, so sailors had scurvy, they would get on a ship and they would like sail around, there would be no fresh fruit and they would slowly, it wouldn't start, it wouldn't happen overnight, they would slowly start, you know, degenerating and that's sure. what I call a degenerative disease and they would get scurvy, right? There's no pharmaceutical drug for scurvy. You see my example? Um, yes. But you can squeeze a lemon or a lime or an orange, boom, scurvy disappears within a couple of hours. If you are starving and you're close to death, there's no pharmaceutical drug that's going to help you. If you don't, if, if you eat an apple or, an, or a pear or, you know, banana, boom, you're fine. Sure. So there are these, there are these huge class of of problems that affect us every day. In fact, I made a list and it's 86% of almost all diseases we have today that I call in the class of salads. Okay, and I, of course, it's just me trying to like make a point. Uh, salads or these phytoceuticals or these phytoplant compounds uh, will actually heal you, right? Um, hence this massive... Uh, craze for say CBD, right? Everybody's jumping yes. on it. Yes. But I look at CBD as one of thousands of phytomolecules and phytoceuticals. Sure. But my claim is that these phytocompounds in a quote, quote salad will heal you and a silver bullet will not. Right? right. And this is what's happening. We got a bunch of farmers or a bunch of guys who are growing, you know, hemp or CBD and they're walking up to Congress and saying, this stuff really works. It heals us. And then you have the pharmaceutical industry saying, hell no, that's not medicine, right? Mm-hmm. And I think I'm popping up and saying, wait a minute, you know, you're both correct. There are the silver bullets for a certain yep. class of diseases. And then there's this endophytosystem that, by the way, is massive, massive. You just, nobody writes and talks about it. And there are class of diseases that are associated with that, that plants heal and these silver bullets do not heal. Well, I like the sound of that, and definitely going to talk more about that. Uh, something that I feel, even on a personal level, I need to know more about that. Yeah, absolutely. Again, the, 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 so this goes back to our earlier thing. Information is power. Good information Very is, true. Is, is power, right? When somebody gives you misinformation or even withholds information from you, that for me is gross manipulation. That is a huge injustice. So, I mean, I, you know, I, I will stand on, you know, the rooftops and basically freely give information, right? And I don't care if, if I'm giving information away and not making money because I'm actually tired, just sick and tired of people manipulating, knowingly manipulate. And I have a problem with, with corporations and scientists you know, it's one thing to sort of repeat somebody else's misinformation and you think it's true. You don't know that it's 
false, right? But it's another thing to right. knowingly know that what you're saying is false, <laughs> right? And then coming up with data sheets and collateral and papers and Wikipedia pages to sort of buttress your argument and then manipulate people into thinking that's true. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. It's one thing to be naive and not know something and another, another to know something and, uh, and actively misinform people. I definitely agree. Um, you know, as you, as you talk about this uh, FIDO system and, and that I'm looking at your, your website and I, I notice that you um, have some information about uh, what is it, satiating uh, food. Uh, how, how, how does that play a role in, in, in feeding that system, that portion of the body to keep you healthy? Well, actually, so now you're talking about properties. So now, so it's very, very interesting. So this, this is a dead giveaway. When you take opioids or any drugs, when you take any pharmaceutical drug, right, two things happen. The first thing that happens is your body has this thing called tolerance. This, you know, if you're taking, say, 100 milligrams of aspirin, I'm being very simplistic here. Sure. You know, within a matter of a week or two weeks, the 100 milligrams, milligrams of aspirin is not as effective. You got to go to 150 or 200. Yep. The dose has to keep increasing. That is called tolerance and you can build up addiction and side effects because of it because the same amount, same quantity is less and less effective. Okay. When you take something like a salad or when you take a phytoceutical, most likely that doesn't happen. The, the, the same amount of salad will fill you up the same way every time year after year. And that's called satiance. And my, the point I make always is that anything that you take that's satiating for you, that means you're taking the same amount every time and it has the same effect, invariably I guarantee is healthy for you. And whenever you're taking something that your body builds tolerance for, that you need more and more and more of it to have the same effect, watch out. It's, it's screwing you over. It is breaking your body tissues down. It's destroying you. You just don't realize it, right? Uh, you're getting addicted to it. So satience is very good. Tolerance is very bad. Thanks, Sean. That's a great explanation. Yeah. Well, Doctor, uh, it's been a real pleasure to have you on the show today. Uh, we're about to wrap it up here. So if there any, is, there, is there any last message you want to give to our audience here? Well, yeah, I guess my, my message is that health actually is within you. you. You know, it is far deeper ingrained in your DNA than you realize Health is free. It's in the reach of almost everybody. Your mind is extremely powerful. If you believe you can be healthy, if you believe, you know, it's within you, if you believe that you are in charge and you are in control, the answer lies within you and not with somebody else, you are going to be far, far healthier than you realize. Now, of course, there are exceptions, right? Somebody can get hit by a truck. Somebody can have you know, but even people sure. who get maladies, if you believe you can get out of it, if you have that strength of your mind, you're going to be in a wonderful place. That's great. Great words. Excellent. Great message. 
We really appreciate your time. And uh, Dr. Joseph, thank you for being on. You guys go check out some more information at uh, bomi.me. You can find out all about uh, Dr. Bomi Joseph and uh, different uh, papers and patents that he's been working on and several websites with phytopharmacy and different uh, satiating foods and all that. Uh, great looking website, good photos. Uh, so go take a look at that and learn a little bit more. Uh, you guys check us out all over social media. You can check uh, out the website at findingfrequency.net and of course at Radio Ryan one at Jeff Spinney two on Twitter and then on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash finding a frequency. And we'll be back next week right here on Voice America's Finding Your Frequency. Technology is changing the way we live our lives and how we do business. On CIO Talk Radio, we talk about the benefits of technology and the great things it allows us to do, as well as its risks. Heard every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, Sunjo Gall interviews business leaders and other experts that are shaping the way we use technology. To learn more about this show, visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Keep up with the changing world of technology and listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjo Gall. Listen in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, right here on Voice America Business. Do you know that over 70% of Americans with severe disabilities are unemployed? Are you one of the 2.5 million Americans with epilepsy? If you are or know someone struggling with these issues, tune in to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. On the show, Joyce will discuss these issues as well as others. She will have on nationally known guests that will offer helpful insight on disability matters and let you, the listener, call in with your questions and concerns. So if you struggle with a disability or know someone who does, listen to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. Heard every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time here on VoiceAmerica.com. Do you think about what you really want? Are you looking to change or perfect your environment, your value, your life? We can help. Tune in to Everyday News with the Blantons. Hosted by husband and wife team Mark and Dr. Latasha Blanton, our program will help you find the answers to make the changes in your life with inspiring guests that can help you find your sense of place in the world and how you view it. Listen live every Monday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you found the beauty inside of you? Join Bonnie Bonadeo each week for Beauty Inside and Out. We'll explain how beauty plays a part in everybody's lives. Our guests are makeup artists, hairdressers, and doctors. But we'll also feature holistic and wellness specialists and spiritual advisors. You can find that beauty inside and express it to its fullest on the outside. Tune in to Beauty Inside and Out every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. 
The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business talk. Divorce or domestic family issues can take their toll not only on the adults who are party to it, but also to their children. Sometimes separation or divorce are far better solutions than staying around a toxic relationship. Now there's a show that listens and provides solutions. Listen for Reclaiming Your Life with host Don Christensen. In this program, we discuss family crisis issues which can happen to anyone. Divorce with dignity is possible, and working together can achieve wonderful results. Listen Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Variety. Are you a pet parent? If so, you'll want to stay up to date on the latest tech gadgets and advances for your canine or feline friend. With a ton of apps, websites, tech toys, and more, you'll want to be in the know when it comes to the real treasures and the duds. For that information, listen for Pet Lover Geek with host Lorian Clemens. We test and discuss what's hot and what's not on the pet front, so you'll be better informed on Voice America Variety. Success doesn't come by chance. It's a decision to take a chance on you. Attending the University of Choice is a goal, but not a guarantee. Dr. Cynthia Colon offers you the formula of going from good, better, to best, and increasing those chances of receiving that yes to your dream university. Get the one-to-one attention every student needs to succeed. Tune into Destination University, live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Do you understand your feline friends as well as you'd like? Why do they behave the way they do? If behavior issues get out of hand, how do you fix things? Get the answers and more when you listen to Cat Talk Radio with host Molly DeVos. We'll give you the straight facts, offer some tried and tested ideas, and alert you as to what's being done in this country and worldwide to save cats and shelter challenges. Cat Talk Radio, every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Have you checked out Teen Wealth Radio? It's a show for teens, their parents, and educators. Hosted by Brandy England, along with regular weekly contributors, Teen Wealth Radio will cover the topics that teens need to talk about. Plus, we discuss a book of the week and a movie of the week, and each show will offer a challenge to our teen listeners that they can share on our private Facebook group page. Be sure to tune in to Teen Wealth Radio, live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Join Chris Epting every week for The Moment. 
Chris talks to some of the most amazing people you'll ever meet, including authors, artists, and athletes. And that's just the A-list. These celebrities and public figures have interesting stories that all showcase the moments that their lives took a certain dramatic turn, changing them forever and shaping them to be the person that they were meant to be. Listen for The Moment with Chris Epting, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. It's 2019 and the revolution is kicking off the new year with legendary outdoorsman Michael Waddell, co-host of the all-new original series Booger Bottom USA on Outdoor Channel. They'll dive into vital conservation efforts, proper firearm safety, subsistence hunting, and why it's essential to stick to our American outdoor roots. Jim and Trav's hunting celebration discussion is presented by Outdoor Channel, Sportsman Channel, World Fishing Network, and My Outdoor TV. Saturdays at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. After years of waiting, there's a radio show for shotgunning enthusiasts worldwide. Tune into Marty Fisher's Wing and Clay Nation for the very best in wing and clay shooting talk. Join Marty and his guests as they bring you hunting and shooting information that you can use. So whether you're a beginner or a seasoned pro, this show can be your go-to source for wing and clay shooting information. Listen live every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific for Marty Fisher's Wing and Clay Nation. On the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. <laughs> 